Bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 802 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Halford Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brandon Batchel is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. You know what I love about being live on the air is that um, some people get to text in, you get to respond to them in real time, right? There's not a lot of jobs on the planet where you get immediate feedback, and feedback, I'm being very generous. Oftentimes, it's just insults and criticism, but most of the time, you get to respond at the very least, and sometimes it's the most random stuff on earth. So a texter wrote in, they're like, boy, you guys were sure wrong. And he spelled it Wong. Right. That's fine. About the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Called them one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now, one of the other nice things about this job is I get to say things loud and uninterrupted. Tampa Bay is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Dude, they stink. I don't know. I know they have six wins, but (laughs) I've watched their games. They're awful. They play some of the worst football ever. So they could have 10 wins, and I'd still say that they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Did you say that earlier in the year? I don't even remember I saying think I probably, anything about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I think, well, I was talking about who's going to win that god-awful mm. division. And right now— People have long memories. I like our listeners yeah. that way. Like, so, it's like, I'm a big Bucks fan, and I remember right. when those guys said something mean about my team. So to write, And now right, they're 6-7, and seven, proving everyone wrong. <laughs> Dear Bucks fan, write this one down. They suck. They are one of the worst teams I've seen play football. <laughs> Circle it. It's December 12th, 2023. Let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, we'll, we'll shift gears. We'll talk about another Tampa Bay team. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning are in town to take on the Vancouver Canucks. This man will be on the call. Brandon Batchelor here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're well. I we, we just actually finished speaking to Eric Erlinson about this Tampa Bay team. A uh, bit erratic this year, out of the playoff picture, but always dangerous when you bring in the likes of Andre Vasilevsky, uh, Victor Hedman on defense, and then, of course, Nikita Kucherov, who is battling neck and neck with Brock Besser to be the, the top goal scorer in the NHL. Yeah, they're, uh, they are a mean piece of business when they want to be, it kind of feels like. And they've been playing some better hockey of late, three wins in the last four games. And it kind of feels like a game that could be decided by who's more effective on the power play because both teams have top five power plays in the league. Uh, they're both in the top three for most power play goals scored this year. And we know that all the offensive weapons on both sides you mentioned Besser. Obviously, there's Kucherov, uh, who, who leads the league in points right now. JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, you know, go go on and on. And the Lightning have uh, tremendous offensive weapons on their side, too. So I think it, it'll probably be a fun game tonight. And Tampa Bay's had a lot of success on the road against the Canucks in recent years. Uh, eight of their last nine road games against Vancouver, they've won at Rogers Arena. So the Canucks will have a, a good test to try and extend their winning streak to three games tonight. Yeah, and it looks like there could be some goals in this game as well when you look at Tampa Bay's collective save percentage. And I hearken back to that game last week against the Devils where there were lots of goals on the table. Maybe a game befitting of Andre Kuzmenko, who scored 39 of them last year. But uh, it's it's a rough go right now for Kuzmenko. 
I'll leave the floor open. If you had to classify or characterize the relationship right now between Kuzmenko and his head coach, Rick Tockett, how would you classify it, Batch? Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's gotten as far as being, you know, seriously adversarial yet, but it's clear that there are some areas of Kuzmenko's game that Tockett is less than pleased with, and it's why he's on the fourth line right now, although he has not as of yet other than the the brief stretch around the time that he was a healthy scratch, been removed from the top power play unit. And that's kind of the the thing that I look at in terms of they still have some faith in him. They still believe he can be an offensive contributor and, and he's, he's still there for now. I guess we'll see if that changes in the coming days and weeks here. But um, you know, it's, it's a lot of these things that Rick Tockett has termed non-negotiables whether it is getting in on the four check, whether it is, you know, making a smart play with the puck uh, to get it deep when you gain the red line and get a change, you know, he's criticized Kuzmenko's shift length at times. And then on top of all of these things that, that we know Tockett really wants Kuzmenko to buy in on the offensive side of the game hasn't come to the, to the same degree that it did last year for Kuzmenko. And a large part of that for me is he's not around the net as much as he was last year. We can remember the number of goals he scored from right at the side of the net or around the crease on backdoor tap-ins. We haven't been seeing him get to those areas of the ice with as much regularity. And then plain and simple, he's not shooting the puck enough. He's averaging fewer shots per game this year than he did last year. And we already know that he didn't shoot a lot last year because he needed a, you know, a 27% shooting percentage to get to those 39 goals. And he even admittedly has talked about the fact that he has to shoot the puck more. Uh, So, you know, those are all things in his game that you can look at and say, okay, he needs to improve. And if he were shooting the puck more, if he were around the net more, then maybe Rick Tockett would be more willing to live with some of the deficiencies in other areas of his game. Mm -hmm. But the fact is for Kuzmenko that he's not producing and he's not being the 200-foot player that Tockett wants. And that's why he finds himself down the lineup. And I'll be very interested to see what happens with Kuzmenko uh, if Pew Suter is able to come back at some point this week, because I think he's one of the guys that is in the conversation to be a healthy scratch yet again, based on where he is in the lineup. Where do you think they would reinsert Pew Suter? Would they put him on that third line with Garland and Joshua? Because Teddy Bluger, I think, has been doing a pretty good job on that line. I agree. Uh, so that, that'll that be fascinating, because obviously that line did very well when Suter was there too, and there's more offensive upside from a guy like Suter, so it might make sense to have him play with Connor Garland and try and squeeze some more offense out of that line, but you also don't want to break up a good thing, and I think Bluger has been a a good fit on that line in terms of maybe not so much producing offense, but controlling play and and getting in on the forecheck and, and pressuring other teams and spending more time in the other end of the ice. So Rick Tockett's got options there. Um, you know, for, for a guy like Suter who was heating up offensively, I don't know if I would like him being on the fourth line just because I don't know what sort of opportunities he might get to produce some of that offense if he plays down there. But mm. it'll be interesting to to see what they do with the lineup because, you know, I, I think there there's an assumption. I've talked to a few people who think that Niels Oman might come out of the lineup, but at the same time, I think Rick Tockett really likes Oman and what he brings, and he's another one of those guys that can move to the wing when Suter comes back into the lineup. So, you know, I wonder about Di Giuseppe or, as I said, Kuzmenko in terms of guys that might be in the line of fire to come out of the lineup. 
Did Nils Amon's waiver status change? Is he no longer exempt? I do believe it has. I think once he hit the 70 games played mark. Right. So that complicates uh, that, things. So it, it does a little. I think it probably speaks to you know how good they feel about Nils Oman, that they were willing to, to call him up and get those games in for him because I do need, believe, and, and you know if anybody knows better, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not the expert on things like this, but uh, I believe that he is now required to go through waivers to go down. So that's, uh, that's something that, you know, you're right, it does complicate things to a certain degree for this hockey club as they try to manage the roster going forward. And, mm. you know, they do, they do have, um, you know, Mark Friedman on the blue line that I guess they could waive instead if they felt the need to uh, right now, actually, if Suter were to come off IR, they only have 21 players on the active roster. So they wouldn't yeah. have to waive somebody and right away, unless it's a, a cap issue. Um so I, I guess we'll wait and see how they manage things. But that's the other uh, reality of the modern NHL, too, is you're always having to manage your cap and figure out where things are, when guys are coming off injured reserve or going on to injured reserve. But, um, you know, Oman, I think, is here to stay because I'd be very surprised if they exposed him to waivers. What were your thoughts when you read the report that the Canucks were out on Ethan Bear? Not entirely surprised, just because I think, you know, they made their move for a defenseman with Nikita Zadorov, and while you could always use another defenseman and always use another right-shot defenseman, uh, I think it's pretty clear at the moment who the Canucks' top six defensemen would be if they were fully healthy with Susie back in the lineup, and uh, there may not have been the opportunity here for Ethan Baird that there might have been had he remained healthy and come in and broke camp with the team and signed an extension with them in the off season. And then we all know the Canucks are tied up against the cap and a right shot defenseman or a commodity around the league. And there are other teams that can certainly use them as well. And this is kind of what I always wondered might happen with bear is, you know, yes, it would be great for him to have a reunion with the Canucks and come back into the fold and, and potentially get a chance to play with Quinn Hughes again. Well, a couple of things have happened. First of all, Philip Hironik has been tremendous with Quinn Hughes. And I think they're probably loath to, break that pairing up so suddenly that opportunity isn't there anymore and then inevitably when you get to this point of the season other teams are going to have injuries other teams are going to have needs and they're going to have more ability to commit term and dollar amount to you if you're a guy like Ethan Bear and you know that's basically what I think has happened here is uh, he's going to have an opportunity somewhere else uh, likely in Washington I guess it seems where uh, he's going to have a chance to play more have some more term, make some more money and try and revitalize his career that, um, you know, it's kind of hit a couple of speed bumps here with all the healthy scratches he got in Carolina. And then he comes and has a pretty good year in Vancouver, but, uh, but obviously has the untimely injury at the world championships. So if I'm Ethan bear, I'm looking at an opportunity a to solidify things for a couple of years, get a bit of term and get a chance to play. And I don't know if that pathway was going to be here for him in Vancouver. You mentioned Nikita Zadorov early days for his tenure as a Vancouver Canuck, but four games in, uh, you've seen enough. He played over 20 minutes in the 4-3 win over Carolina on Saturday. What have you seen from the big Russian defenseman thus far? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I notice is just how much he's raised the floor on what the blue line's capable of when yeah. you don't have to have you know both Friedman and Juleson in the lineup on a nightly basis and have your you know depth tested and then uh early on it seems like Rick Tockett is is keen to have him and Myers 
uh, as somewhat of a, a shutdown pair, or at the very least, he trusts them late in games to be out on the ice when they're protecting leads because there's at least two games now since Zadorov has arrived where they've looked to him and Myers late in games trying to hold on to a lead and not uh, Hughes and Hironic quite as much. And uh, that was the case against the Hurricanes the other night. It was the case in that game against the Calgary Flames, Zadorov's first game, because, of course, he you know was on the ice to send the puck down the ice for the empty netter that ultimately ended up being credited to Elias Patterson. So uh, I think, you know, he, he gives them length as Rick Tockett would say, and, and Tockett trusts that pairing because of the, the wingspan that both of those guys have and the, the ability they have to make things more difficult on teams trying to attack, especially late in games when they're trying to get back into things. And then just a bit of a calming presence back there for the most part, he brings some physicality too. It's a, a nice addition to this Canucks blue line where I think they've, got him in a role right now that suits him pretty well and him and Myers together could have a bit of success here going forward and clearly they have the trust of the head coach to be out there in some key situations so that's a positive too have you been at all surprised that the Canucks have had a couple of days off during this five game homestand they took they had the day off after the New Jersey game uh, and then beat Minnesota and they had the day off yesterday ahead of today's game I was just wondering how Rick Tocca would handle this because we know that he loves to practice and he know we know that there's lots of teaching still to be done to this team and yet two days off during this five-game homestand. I'm wondering if Tockett feels like maybe some of those guys like Quinn Hughes and Philip Hronick need all the rest they can get. Yeah, I agree. Although at the same time, he has taken the opportunity to get those guys rest in particular while he makes the rest of the team practice. Like it was a couple weeks ago, I think, where... Hughes and Hironic were the only two guys not on the ice at practice, and they were being given maintenance days. And then a couple days later, he gave Myers and Cole maintenance days at practice. So if he felt um, felt like the, the need was there for this team to, to practice, I think he probably still would have them out there. But you're right, it's, it's a tough balance, and I think it's always a tough balance for the head coach of this team to strike, whether it's Rick Tockett or anyone else, because – their travel schedule is so hectic. They don't get a lot of practice time, but the temptation is always there to practice whenever you get the chance. But I think Tockett has a really good feel for his players that, that sometimes they just need the rest. Sometimes they need the day off because, you know, they are, are at times exhausted from, from everything they have to go through being out here on the West coast and all the travel and everything like that. And so, you know, I am surprised that they've had, a couple of days off here and not only if you look at this last couple of days since the game on Saturday not only did he give them yesterday off but it was an optional skate on Sunday which surprised me quite a lot I thought Mm -hmm. he would have wanted a a full group skate on at least one of these two days Um, and you know I think he's kind of realizing what we've seen from some other head coaches in the past here which is that you know you need to get your guys rest and at times you almost need to use your morning skates like practices on the day of the game to work through some of these things. And uh, I'm sure that's a tough thing for a coach because they always want to practice more. They've always got things that they want the group to work on. But, you know, I, I think the fact that he's given them a couple days off here is maybe recognition that this has been a tough schedule for them. They have played a lot of games over the last few weeks and that they probably need it going forward. But Uh, You know, I don't envy talking in terms of trying to figure these things out because we always talk about the fact that, you know, when these guys don't get practice time, we see their game slip. 
But at the same time, if you work them too hard, then their game's going to slip too. So it's it's kind of like a, a no-win situation at, at times, and Tockett's trying to manage it the best he can, and I guess we'll see uh, if the way he's managed it over the last couple of days is effective based on how they play tonight. Do you think Demko gets tonight and Thursday against the Florida Panthers? Yeah, I, I'm I'm torn on that. I could see them trying to get DeSmith in here for one of the two games. At the same time, you know he's going to have one of the games this weekend with the, the back-to-backs on the road in Minnesota and Chicago. I almost wonder if it might make sense to play Demko both of the games on the homestand and then get to Smith two of the four games on the road trip. Uh, but, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if DeSmith gets one of these next two games. I'm, I would expect Demko tonight probably just because they've had the days between games. And then, you know, Demko's probably going to want the start on Roberto Luongo night, especially because they're doing a ceremonial face-off with the goaltenders. So you tend to think that, you know, Demko will be the guy to, to be in that game. So maybe that means DeSmith gets a chance tonight. But uh, the one thing we know for sure is that he'll play one of the two on the weekend. And it wouldn't surprise me if he plays one of the two on the road midweek next week as they go through the Central Division as well. Batch, thanks for doing this today, bud. We appreciate it. Have a good call tonight. Enjoy the game. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. That's Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. Okay, let's do some what we learns here. Uh, I, I'm going to start. Um, and I learned that Shohei Otani's contract, just how it's all structured, is wild. And this is an absolute nightmare for Halford to cover because I don't get it. There's things like escrow. You have to do present value calculations. Um, it was his understanding that there'd be no math on this show but when you look at Shohei Otani's contract it's it's crazy so the Dodgers announced yesterday they made it official that they'd signed Otani to a 10-year 700 million dollar contract and if you're mm. looking at that you're like okay so that's 10 years we well, get 70 million dollars a year that's easy no um it was reported that the majority of the contract would come in deferred money under the structure Otani is deferring more than 97% of his earnings. Yep. The deferred money totaling $680 million will be paid to Otani between 2034 and 2043. He's got to wait until he's 40 years old. It's like a trust fund that you can't unlock until you... It's like a movie. Like, I, I wonder, you know, there's a lot of people going like, well, that makes his contract worth less than if he's got to wait to get his money. And yes, that's true. And in Otani's case, I think they've determined the league for the CBA's purpose has determined that the present value is $44 million a year, not $70 million. But I wonder why he's doing this. The most obvious reason he's doing this and the thing that's being trumpeted by Otani and the Dodgers is he's doing it to help the team so they can add more talent around Otani because Otani wants to win, right? You defer all that money until later on, you kick that can down the road. But I also wonder if Otani's thinking about the tax implications, right? Yeah, that was the big like, one for me. Like he goes, he goes, he gets he gets paid, you know, 
not much of his contract. He, he'll, he'll be fine because he's making a lot of endorsements. Don't worry about Otani. He's still able to, to afford Kraft Dinner, uh, $2 million a year, plus all the sponsorship money that he pulls in. A lot of people have estimated that at $50 million a year. But I wonder if he plays his 10 years for the Dodgers, and then he's like, I'm moving to the Bahamas right, right for 10 years, and then you can pay me, and uh, I'm not... I'm not going to pay any taxes on that, tax especially being in California, right, yeah. where it's a high tax. Anyway, it's 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 interesting if you like this sort of stuff and if you really don't care about how the players get paid or anything about them maximizing their earnings or anything about luxury tax or anything. It's kind of like it's a lot of like information that you probably don't care about. You well, just care also, about how many home runs Otani hits. Is this but not it, an incredible risk for him, though? Like, what if something happens in the next 10 years where he can't fulfill his duties under his contract? Does that... I think like, the understanding was that there's going to be so much money in uh, endorsements over the next few yeah, years. But like, yeah, but he, you're still deferring a lot of money, right? I know, but but, he, but in the in the present, the immediacy, mm-hmm. he's going to have about a billion endorsement deals. When does the, when does the deal making, stop? What When does the, the deferred payment stop? What year? It's like 2040-something, right? Uh, 2043. Yes. What if he passes away before then? Like, I know it's a... God, this guy... I know it's a really dark conversation, but... Lord. Yeah. But, like, there's things that can happen that Christmas will... Hat but you, I could have bought so many more just Lamborghinis. Hear me, hear me out for a second. Like, you, you want to... What do players talk about? They set up their family for life. Yeah. yeah. That money is hanging in the balance now of a lot of things Well, he's probably got insurance correctly. on that, laddie. Like, I'm uh, sure they've thought of that. I know, but still, that's that's a big risk oh, to take. never thought of this. It's a big risk to take for... Yeah, it's such a huge contract. Falling down a cliff. Why did I defer? <laughs> we got you know, we, I got that so much more. It's fun. a lot of extra. We for, do for, we do have to, but this isn't nothing. This is just the extreme of baseball because this has happened before. People have deferred money. Most famously, Bobby Bonilla. He's, He's still getting, getting paid, paid, isn't he? Yeah. 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 So Otani makes two million in salary this year. He's the seventeenth highest paid player on the Dodgers. And actually, so speaking of deferred payments, there are retired MLB players that are going to make more. Than Otani's going to make in the first year. Ken Griffey Jr. is going to make more than Otani. Manny Ramirez is going to make more than Otani. I like some of these questions. What if Magic and the Dodgers go bankrupt? Can you imagine that? Right before they have to pay Otani, they're like, sorry. Magic Magic will tweet out the most banal... Apology ever. He's like, I am sorry for losing all your money. What if, Show what if, Otani. what if there's like hyperinflation in the economy, and then they pay Otani in 2034? Here's like 50 million dollars. You can buy a cup of coffee with that now. Did you afford all your groceries with that? <laughs> anyway, it is. I mean, I find it interesting how they put that deal together, and with how complicated it was, it makes me wonder if the Jays were ever in this. Right, with right. all the details that they had to figure out to put that deal together. It feels like Otani's camp was probably mostly focused on getting a deal done with the Dodgers. Give us a moo cow on that. Uh, get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We're giving away wrestling tickets. Are we using the ticket emoji? That's, sure. That's correct. Or you can use the arm flex emoji. If you want, uh, only wrestling tickets today. No Canucks tickets. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some more Canucks tickets uh, to give away in the future. But the Canucks, after they play Tampa Bay tonight and Florida on Thursday, they go away on a four games in six nights road trip. So obviously we aren't giving away any tickets to those games. Uh, get your What We Learns in. Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650-650. You are listening to the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Uh, it's a special dog edition of what we learned. Only Laddie and A-Dog have what we learned. Jason already did his about Otani's contract, which is old news, according to our listeners. <sighs> Tell us something new, why don't you? Why don't you learn something new, you yeah. big idiot? It's the same guy that's upset about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's lashing out a little. It's bit. what we learned, not what we already knew. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Anyway, so we've now taken Bruff's rights away. <laughs> That's what happens here. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a very punishing society we built here at the Halford and Bruff Show. Uh, up with the dogs. We're going to go A-Dog, what we learned. Laddie, what we learned. And then A-Dog's going to give away the SmackDown tickets. A-Dog, it's time for you to tell us what you learned. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's a short one. But uh, Zion Williamson postgame last night, I'm not happy with his team's play. And he's uh, trying to say the word lackadaisical, and it does not go well. You know, I think we kind of went into the game too, like a Zagazool. <laughs> play it again, play it again, please. One more time. Like a Zagazool. <laughs> Holding. I think we kind of went into the game too, like a Zagazool. <laughs> he realized halfway through, he's like, the you know what? That's a tough one, though. Yeah. Lackadaisical is tough. Yeah. Well, it's lackadaisical. Right. You, I say lackadaisical. Yeah, you say laxadaisical. Yeah. You say it like laxative. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, and that's incorrect. It's that's like how Alfred calls uh, Tuesday Tuesday. Yep. <laughs> that's right? also it's incorrect. Lackadaisical. Lackadaisical. Yeah. yeah. Lackadaisical. We all know it's not. Lackadaisical. Yeah, but that's fine. You know what? Actually, Zion could work for our show. Like any day of the week. <laughs> He'd fit right in. Did he just power right through it like Alfred yeah, well, usually does? The top, the top. Uh, He's comic. like, oh, I almost, I almost mis- mispronounced that. I'm like, you did. The top comment was gold because like he used every muscle in his face to try and pronounce it like if you watch the footage of it like he's really giving her it's the pause before he says it too like if he just he has that second he's like i'm really gonna say this okay you know i think we kind of went into the game too like a Yeah. here we go what's a word what's a word that gives you trouble you know what i can't do Mm. or i have to really go slow white rock white rock is Mm. tough i always want to say white walk yeah. White walk. Yeah. Have you been That's to White a Walk lately? <laughs> yeah. White Walk is wonderful this like time. Like when of Kev year. does his White Rock Hyundai. So yeah. sorry, like, I'm white glad walk. I don't have to do that, Reed, because that's a tough one. My White Walk, what we won, is tough. Moo <laughs> <laughs> cow, please. <laughs> We're so dangerously close to getting in trouble. We'll just moo cow that All right. one. It's like I've these guys have learned. a radio show and they can't say White Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you live from White Walk. <laughs> Can I do mine now, please? Yes, please. Good uh, luck following that, buddy. Yeah. So we were talking about off the air. Every every former NHL player has a podcast now. Apparently, I've noticed. Uh, Craig Reve has one with Andrew Peters. Former Buffalo Sabres captain Craig Reve. Called After the Whistle, and they talk about Sabres stuff because no they're way. both former Sabres players. Reve played for a few teams, but yeah. he was a Sabre. 
And for some reason, he just really doesn't like Jeff Skinner. And it started with a rant about his song that he picks for his goal song. I don't know if you guys know every Sabre has their own goal song. Did not know that. Jeff Skinner had uh, Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston, I think, last year. And this year, it's a high school musical song <laughs> that plays. And this really got to Craig Reve, who wanted to just go on a rant about Jeff Skinner. I have to do a lot of bleeping for this, so just take a listen. Got a high school musical song playing after Jeff Skinner scores a massive goal and the crowd is quiet. They're like, hey, giving a little clap because they're listening to a high school musical. Wrong. I hate that kid. I, I, I can't stand the kid. Absolutely. Softest guy. I watched him last night or watched him the other night. Not one time is he even coming close to being the first guy. He's not even the second guy. He's actually Someone- 20 Back Someone sent a montage second. of his last couple games. He's just... It's a f- joke. So... You think you're going to f- win anything with this guy? F- hate him. I don't say that to anybody on this entire f- team. I can't stand the way he plays. Breaking f- free musical. Uh, I don't think he likes Jeff Skinner, you guys. So yeah. did, is he, does he like him or not? <laughs> this, this, I saw this caught. Uh, Yikes! This, this got on, this caught on big time on Sabers Twitter because a lot of people. I mean, mm. Peters is a pretty. I'd like to know what Arturi Lekkonen's dad thinks of his game. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cat's christening for this guy. Um, I think Peters is a pretty recognized media personality in Buffalo because he's yeah. on every. He has like eighteen different podcasts. I know Craig Reve is still relatively new, but this is sort of, um, I've seen, like, this is the shtick for the ex-players, right? Is, oh, I'm unfiltered. They can't hold me down. Let's talk politics. Uh, And then, (laughs) you know, they kind of thrive on this unfiltered, I'm going to say whatever's on my mind. This kind of treaded into, like, old man yelling at clouds territory. That was a little much. Yeah. And also... I mean, but like, I also think that Sabres fans, just in general, are very frustrated with their team. I, like they yeah. they watch their team. It's boiling over now. Yeah. It, well, it's, it it boiled over a long time ago. Yeah. And they but this year was supposed to be different, right? This year was yeah. Supposed but to be... every year of the last few years has is was supposed to be different, right? And they are after twenty nine games, they're twelve, fourteen, and three with a minus twelve goal differential. Mm-hmm. They're still not a good team. And meanwhile, a team like the Detroit Red Wings. Which is another one I struggle with. Wedwigs. Wedwigs, please. Uh, they are playing well. 15, 9, and 4. They mm-hmm. got a plus 12 goal differential. Uh, Ottawa, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit. Everyone was expecting them to take a leap, or at least one of those teams or two of those teams to take a leap. I still think we need to be patient with Ottawa because they've only played 22 games. They're 11 11. They're legit 500. They're not NHL 500. And I know people get tired of me talking about goal differential, but I think it matters. They've got a plus eight goal differential. I'm, wi- I'm willing, good, right? I'm willing I, to I, hold out time. Hold out on Ottawa. A they got a goalie that can get hot in Corpus Allo. But But a guy like... But 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 I think people have watched the Buffalo Sabres. And do you remember early in the season how we were talking about watching the Canucks with disdain? Yeah. And like, you know, the last few years, well, you kind of hate watching yeah. them, right? And I'm glad that we're not doing that this year and we're... We're doing things like, you know, making fun of other teams and 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 looking at the standings and talking about, oh, who could the Canucks face in the first round of the playoffs? Like the Sabres are still there and it's year 13 of this. They last made the playoffs when the Canucks were in the Stanley Cup final. That is a long wait. So 
I think once in a while, like you watch a guy like Skinner and maybe he doesn't play a 200 foot game and you just have this just like with guys like this signed, how is this team going to win? Okay. Uh, I know we got to mook out this, but I did want to continue this conversation because like two months ago, Braff and I, one of our awesome videos that you guys clipped for content, um, you guys clipped one where we were having the debate about which core would you take right now? This was on October 13th. Would you take Buffalo's core or would you take the Canucks core? And I think the understanding was it was basically the triumvirate. It would have been, um, are you going to take Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, or are you going to take... Darlene, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Cousins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I Most people chose the Sabres. Two months later, I'm now completely proven right. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, that that made the argument. But it's interesting, right, how perceptions and narratives can change in a really Mm. short time. I've watched Darlene a lot this year, and I... I haven't been 100% impressed with him. I'd take Quinn he Hughes over, some, I'd take yeah, Quinn Hughes over Rossman to Stalin uh, seven days of the week, twice on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. He, he makes a lot of mistakes out there. I'd take Elias Pettersson over a lot anybody, on the, uh, anybody at forward for the Buffalo. Tage Thompson only on pace for 26 goals as well, down from 47 the He's year hurt, before. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think the Sabres, I think the other advantage that the Sabres had was they've still got some, got some players in the system that are pretty high end. More well, Levi's barely made an impact. And they've, right? and they've got, They've got some. They've got cap space, right? You, Although forward, Jeff Skinner at nine million, right? That's another reason why you're, you you get frustrated with a guy like that when he's not playing well. Moving forward, who would you, who would you rather have, um, Philip Peronik and Quinn Hughes or Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, Owen sure Power is only twenty one. A lot of recency sure bias on that one. Long. He's still well, got a I, long I, way to go. I know. I just I just don't know. Like, yeah, I can understand. I. I can understand. Put it this way. Uh, in this rare moment of not having like the hot take machine fired up, I can see the nuances in the gray area here. I can understand why someone would say the long-term play might be Buffalo, but the short-term play is definitely the Canucks because Hughes and Ronick are the best pairing in the NHL right now. I'm, All right. I, I stand on that. Mookow. Mookow that stand. Okay, uh, A-Dog, A-Dog. Who's, our, who's our winner for the wrestling tickets? Hold on, actually, before you do that, we've got a you know, ceremony here. Fire okay. up the dot maybe. What we learned, Humanoid Edition, and that includes the winner of the SmackDown tickets, which Andy is just going to announce, uh, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! January 5th. Sometimes they call it Fright Night. They also call it... Uh, Friday night smack. Dirt. About fright night. <laughs> anyway, uh, January 5th, Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets to. Uh, congrats to Devin. What we learned. Flex emoji. I'll have no idea if I've won the WWE. To me, it's always WWF tickets as I'm unable to listen to the show on this extremely choppy feed. Devin. <laughs> so congrats to Devin. You are the winner. You did indeed win. Yeah, he hung in with us, I guess. Well, maybe he didn't. He was the only guy that uh, texted in for the tickets for the first, like, two hours. Yeah. So he was dedicated. We did We did have some technical difficulties. The The podcast is okay, though, right? So if oh, people oh, miss yeah. the show and they bail Other out than of the show it, itself. they, yeah, they, they can uh, still listen to the podcast. Uh, Colin and Tawasin with an early what we learned this morning. Hashtag WWO what we learned. What I learned is that yesterday's show, yes, yesterday's show, set a new high bar for what we learned. 
What with the witty contest winners and a full-on Twas the Night Before Christmas Sportsnet poem, I don't think I can keep up anymore. Uh, my mom listened to the show yesterday. She thought that the uh, Night Before Christmas Sportsnet-themed poem was one of the best things that's mm-hmm. ever come from this show. It was great. She was she was she like, you guys should do something. And I was like, well, we read it on the air. I don't know what else we can do. Yeah, yeah that's the, we throw them a parade. Let's go yeah. above yeah. and beyond. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. We do some good work too. Yeah, sometimes Shane the Deviant Logger, which I really want to know. Yeah, what we do need do? to know more. What are you doing to those trees, Shane? Uh, what we learned, I learned <laughs> that the Canucks have seen enough upside from a cheap Noah Juleson that they decided on him over pursuing Ethan Bear. I did think it was interesting that. Um, Rutherford mentioned Noah Juleson in his interview with Ian McIntyre. And if you want to read that article, it's up at sportsnet.ca. Uh, Ian asked Jim Rutherford, you added a reliable defenseman in Zadorov. Do you still need to add another? Yeah. And Rutherford said, well, you can never have enough defensemen. You can ask every team that. I will say that we're really pleased with the development of Juleson. Same with any position. We're going to keep looking to see if there's anywhere that we can upgrade. Juleson, I think in theory, just bear with me, I realize he makes some mistakes out there, but I think he's the type of defenseman that the Canucks are targeting. Like, he is physical, he's big, um, and they're just working with him to round out his game. Mm. And, you know, there are times when he plays well, and there are times when he doesn't play so well, right? So, I'd still think that the Canucks are going to be searching for blue line help. I just... You know, we've heard names like Tanev. Uh, he's hurt again. By the way, he's not going to play tonight. Yeah. Um, and he and we've heard even Jalen Chatfield's name come up from Rick Dollywall. So I still think they're going to be looking. But they're in the same position as a bunch of teams. Like the Leafs have to fix their blue line. They still haven't done anything yet. Uh, you know, I can't look at Noah Juleson's name anymore and not think of the once popular vaping product now. Because I watched that Jewel documentary on Netflix. That was a good day. documentary. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. There's, that was a good there's documentary. There's a documentary on Jewel. Yeah, yeah. Not Juleson. Although yeah. there was a marketing opportunity missed for that fine window where everyone was <laughs> like, hey, we, we did some good for the smoking community. Yeah. Noah Juleson could, could go around and visit all the high schools. <laughs> it's like, we also did Which was bad- the idea of the, 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 of the, of the yeah. uh, documentary. It started out the founders wanted to create a product that would help people quit smoking. Yeah. And whether or not you, you actually yeah. believe, well, no, it didn't do the opposite. It actually did help people smoke, stop smoking, but it it also helped a lot of people start vaping. <laughs> yeah. There was a catch. <laughs> I'm so glad I got over that filthy habit. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln and Surrey, what we learned, Batch said Kuzmenko isn't scoring as many goals because he's not parking himself near the net anymore. Sounds like he needs to go back to the candy, soda, and waffle diet. Always works when I need to park myself anywhere. Yeah, is that's Kuzmenko not bad, Lincoln. too fit to stand in front of the net? Is he getting too much of energy? He's all kinetic. Well, another, um, another what we learned, I learned that Kuzmenko's world tour last summer is not looking like something that other players are going to want to replicate. That was from little Sammy. I don't know if it's like... I, I feel... Like, Talkett hasn't mentioned Kuzmenko's fitness. It's more just a willingness. Yeah. A willingness to go forecheck and uh, a willingness to get off the ice. Yep. You know, don't stay out there long. He's he's negotiating the non-negotiables. I mean, I've wa- I've watched Kuzmenko a couple times when he's F1 and he doesn't do much, right? He doesn't, you're, you're watching him and you're like, you're like, skate harder. Yeah. Right, because the idea of an F1 isn't necessarily to go get the puck. You don't have to, go, it's pretty much impossible to go get the puck. 
the idea of an F1 is to just pressure the defenseman into making a play, and then you hope he rushes it, and if he rushes it, maybe he makes a mistake, and then the other forwards can take advantage of that. But meanwhile, the F1 has to get back, yep. right? And it's, it's, it's a lot of skating. It's hard. You know, th- there's a reason why um, Taka is saying, like, you know, like, we need to be in great shape because the way that he wants to play, which is a pressure game, like forecheck, 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 but also get back, you have to be in really good shape. Yeah, and I don't, he hasn't mentioned it once, has he? I don't think I he don't think, I don't think I think it's, it's just a it. willingness. I think it's, I think it's an instinct. Like, Kuzmenko has an instinct to just kind of watch. Yep. Right? He's like, I wonder what this defenseman is doing. You're like, skate towards him and force him to do something. Uh, Justin and East Van with what we learned. Hashtag WWO what we learned. I learned that the dad's trip with Colorado Avalanche this season might be a bit awkward. Yeah, I didn't even think about that <laughs> ramification. So if you missed this earlier, after a 6-5 win um, over the Calgary Flames last night, the Colorado Avalanche had their post-game media availabilities. And as a texter pointed out, Miko Randon's not even having a bad year. He's got 34 points. So I don't know I don't know how where this came from, the origin story, but Arturi Lekkinen, who is a member of the Colorado Avalanche and a teammate of Miko Randon, Arturi Lekkinen's dad, Ismo Lekkinen, is a Finnish hockey analyst. And recently, as a matter of fact, a day ago, he kind of put Miko Rantanen on blast for not working out hard enough in the summer and getting off to a slow start. Again, Miko Rantanen has 34 points. Do you have the audio? This is what Miko Randon had to say after the game. Um, wasn't asked, unprompted, and he just decided to go off. Here was what it sounded like. It was good, you know, and uh, it was actually one thing where I got a lot of extra energy. You know, one of our Finnish NHL players' dad was talking sh- about me in media that I didn't train last summer like I used to do, and, and uh, he was just making making things up. So I think that was that was for him, you know. Uh, if you if you talk, shit, it's gonna come back at you. So. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what be a we tough learned. Dad's trip, that one. I agree with Colin from Tawasa, and I've really struggled this fall to get enough texts in for you guys. I think the quality of text has gone up in parallel with the play of the Canucks. Glad to see you guys are holding your textable texters accountable for their text quality by doing a radio version of healthy scratching by limiting airtime when motivation is needed. Listen, it's just competition, right? Yeah, so we, bring in, we bring in new textures, competition, and you, you got to earn your day. You got to show you want it. You got to earn your day. Yeah. Earn each day, as as, as Cock likes to say. Are there hey, staples in your text? Go into those texting corners. Yeah. Yeah. Staples. Shorter texts. Shorter texts. 30, Revity. 45 words. I mean, that's the problem we've had with Mike, the urologist from Brockville. We Too really long. like him. Yeah. He's a great texter. Yeah. Sometimes he just gets a little long-winded. Yeah, you get stuck you know? out there. You get see yeah, you got sometimes you just got to change him up. Curtis in White Rock, I really want to read this one. What okay. we learned. Given Pete Carroll's comments yesterday on 710 Seattle calling out his players directly, it feels as if he's losing control of the team and could be feeling some heat from ownership. This I have wondered thing. This is your thing. I have wondered if Pete is le- losing that room and Is this the end of Pete Carroll? It could be. It I asked. Could I asked Hal for yeah. this off the air, it like I think three weeks ago or mm-hmm. something like that, and uh, he looked at me almost dumbfounded. I, I think like, when is, it, is this the end of him? I I, 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 th- I think we've seen two players basically talk back to Pete Carroll. One was DK Metcalf when it was the topic of his penalties, and the other was Jamal Adams when he was talking about his social media, and he said, "Yeah, I had a real good talk with the coach," kind of sarcastically. Well, Pete went on the radio. 
uh, I guess yesterday, and uh, he just said these guys need to play better. Well, I didn't. And, call, okay, and, and hold he, on, hold on, hold on. He didn't call out DK. He was pretty smart about that. He called out Jamal Adams, who's yeah. terrible, and is probably not going to be on the team next year. And then he called out Love as well. Mm-hmm. So he, did, he didn't go after DK Metcalf. Well, I, know, I, th- I didn't think DK. Like, I I know DK lost his cool a little bit at the end, but that didn't really bother me as much as some of the other stuff. Because DK did. Metcalf like, can play. That's what's always going to get yes, him out of jail. Yes. that is. I mean, that's that's a huge point, He's, right? Like, yeah. Jamal, <laughs> Jamal, Jamal, play. Jamal was talking all this nonsense. Yeah. And, and then he got – he was terrible. In the game, like he was just awful. Like, like I know he's not your typical safety. He almost has more linebacker attributes. But he's done. If you're a safety, you still have to be that last line of defense. Uh, Florio on NBC's Pro Football Talk said it is now one of the worst trades in NFL history. It is Jamal Adams yeah. trade. It Two first horrible. round picks, horrible. a third round pick, and Bradley McDougald. Also, you could sign the guy to a seventy-two million dollar deal and have him do nothing. Softy had a, uh, the breakdown of what Jamal Adams has done production-wise since joining the Seahawks. And all this talk about how they were going to utilize him as a pass-rushing weapon, mm-hmm. it's non-existent. So no. I, I think what's happening here is... But is that on is that on Adams or is that on the schemes? It could I think, be both, well, right? I think what's happening here is Pete knows who he... It's just like, you know who your whipping boys can be and who they can't be. Pete knows who he can go after publicly and who he can't because these guys are gone. But it's a very, very fractured relationship uh, right now with the collective, like the room, as you put mm-hmm. it, because they failed this test so badly. This team was 5-2 and two going in to that stretch from week 9 to week 15 where it was Baltimore and Dallas and the Niners twice and the Eagles, and they failed almost every test. They haven't even been close. Mm-hmm. And it's and that then you say, well, if they've got this much talent, how are they this far off from being a good to elite team? And that's why Pete's under such fire right now. Uh, the music can only uh, mean one thing. Before we go, a really ex- a good example of a brevity, what we learned from Corey the Carpenter just coming in. Yep. Corey the Carpenter, what we learned. Whale team good. <laughs> Whale team good. <laughs> See, Corey, that's how you get on the radio. Three simple words. Whale team good. Uh, the whale team will be in action tonight at 7 o'clock. We will be back tomorrow morning to talk about them. For now, though, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.